got nine minutes to maximize your travel and casino experience? Welcome to Zorkcast, powered by Travel Zork, helping you travel smarter, gamble smarter, and maximize your adventures. From airline miles and hotel points to living in the lap of luxury in a Las Vegas casino, you'll find all the knowledge you need to travel in style. Brought to you in nine minutes or less. Now, please welcome the host of Zorkcast, Michael Mason Traeger. Hello, this is Michael, and welcome back to Zorkcast. Today, we have Gilbert of God Save the Points on the show, and my focus is going to be two very insightful articles he recently published at God Save the Points. We will most likely be breaking this into two parts for your listening pleasure, so be sure to see the show notes for links to the articles and how to get in touch with Gilbert. So. Hello, Gilbert, and welcome back to Zorkast. Hello, Michael, and thank you for having me. Always, always a pleasure. So let's just jump jump right into this. I follow everything that you write. I try to, at least in a relatively uh, timely manner. As should everyone listening to this. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think I'm a top fan on... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> on Facebook, I'm hoping that there's an additional level above top fan because, you know, I like moving up the leaderboard. I will create a VIP room just for you and uh, serve content just for you with caviar included. I feel quite loved. Okay, so there is an article titled, Two Years Ago, I Told British Airways CEO Alex Cruz to Quit. I Was Wrong. So, and you go on to say, simple as that. He actually commented on that blog post and (laughs) he told you you were wrong. And in the end, he was right. So let's talk a little bit about this, about, you know, your feel, what inspired you to write the initial article and how things changed and maybe how your perspective of British Airways, Alex Cruz running an airline, all of that, how that might have changed a little bit. Yeah. So it's, it's really a funny one to me because. Everyone thinks that Alex Cruz and I are best friends. I think he's a nice guy and I respect his work. But what people often don't realize is that we started out butting heads big time. And any ground we've broken has been because of this open dialogue where of the opinion when he came in to to leadership at British Airways that he was taking it in a direction which was not going to be beneficial for the company based on turning, let's say, the short-haul services in Europe into things more in line with the low-cost carrier versus staying ultra-premium. And and to be fair, I wasn't the only one who was thinking that. My letter went completely viral. It was read by hundreds of thousands of people overnight and shared all around the world. And so there were lots of people who loved their free gin and tonics and all these other things that clearly felt that I had a point there. So... Whenever you hit a nerve like that, there's some kind of indication that there is a big counterculture to whatever's going on. But looking back, I was just completely wrong. British Airways is profitable. British Airways has some of the best passenger yields in Europe. And it's because of price. Because at the end of the day, whatever anyone wants to say, almost everyone buys on price. And British Airways is finally a price competitive airline. Yeah, I would have to agree with a lot of that. And I think, honestly, some of those changes really did hit quite a few nerves for people, especially people who'd been around British Airways for a long time. I think whenever you change 
the model of any of your products. You know, here was economy class for intra Europe, all of a changing, you're, you're changing to this buy on board model and, and you're, you're taking, I mean, you're taking something away. And whenever yeah. you take something away, most people aren't happy. But I actually thought, I thought it seemed rather sensible. I mean, I th- basic example for you. You know, let's say a standard return flight to Paris would have been 200 pounds with British Airways and you got a gin and tonic and a cup of tea and a meal versus, let's say, 80 with another airline where you didn't get those things. Are you really prepared to pay a 120 pound premium for a gin and one gin and tonic, one cup of tea and maybe a sandwich which you wouldn't even deem worth eating? The answer is no. You'd rather have the 80 pound fare. And you'd rather than if you want a gin and tonic, pay five pounds or 10 pounds, whatever it is. You'd always want, you know, because if the price is the same as, let's say, an inferior airline, I will say Ryanair is an inferior airline. If the price is the same as Ryanair and you get almost the same, but you actually earn loyalty points and you have access to better food, you're going to go with British Airways. And they've proven me wrong there. So he's proven me wrong there. I mean, and also long term. Another interesting thought is that you do start to have more of a differentiation between the premium product and the economy class product. So now, and especially with the improvements, which I I think actually have been really good over the last, you know, six months or so with Club Europe, but now you really do differentiate Club Europe much more so from economy class. I mean, perhaps that wasn't the intention, but at least now, you you know, and and let's think, let's like... Can we curse on here? You can do whatever you want. All right. Well, I had some asshole recently telling me, oh, you haven't said anything mean about British Airways in six months. I was like, well, what has there been to say? They just released a fantastic new long-haul business class seat, which I was promised when I went after Alex Cruz. He told me, hey, Watch, stay involved, and you'll see that we're in the right track. You know, so, okay, there's one thing in his tick box. He just delivered, you know, an an industry-leading seat. It's up there with the best in the business class business. You know, they've added new amenities to first class. They're upgrading first class. They added a full premium meal service and premium economy. They've overhauled business class dining and whining and dining. You know, it's like all these things are positives. Like this guy's like, hey, asshole, like, you know, you like British Airways. I'm like... I don't like or loathe anyone. I just take sides on what's going on. And right now, British Airways is on a roll of good news. <laughs> no, absolutely. And, <laughs> it's and like, also, people just want me to write mad things because they have some weird, angry, incessant madness about them. And I don't understand it. Well, the other thing about it, which is amazing to me, is they have totally re-engineered the premium experience for One World Emeralds at T5. First wing, I mean is amazing. And I love it. It's actually swayed my loyalty to the point where even if I have to pay, let's say, 30 pounds more for a short haul flight or let's say up to 100 pounds more for a long haul flight, I'd rather pay that because the experience at T5 now is so up there that I'm like, okay, it's worth it. You know, it's, it, it is fabulous. And it's also fabulous from an efficiency standpoint because you could pretty much so push it. I mean, you can literally show up at the minimal scan time. And for, and for people who <laughs> I'm, don't, I'm, I'm doing it this weekend. <laughs> for people who don't understand, I'm leaving my house at like 1130. It takes me about an hour to get there. So <laughs> yeah, for people who don't know how first wing works, there's basically once you've achieved one world emerald status with British Airways, which is BA gold, gold, you now have a separate entrance with a separate security flow. 
But what they really did, and it's truly a separate security flow. It is not a security yeah. flow that cuts a line and then brings you into another line. It's a separate flow. And then what's interesting about it is it dumps you, for lack of a, a more eloquent term, directly into the first class lounge. So you don't have to walk past duty free shops. You don't have to go up an escalator, down an escalator, up an escalator. You're literally in a lounge. You could grab yourself a coffee quickly in the morning or a glass of champagne and be on your way. And further, what's really interesting is that you have a ton of intra-Europe flights from T5. So you could be flying a 42-minute flight to Amsterdam that costs you 60 pounds. But if you have status, you get access to this. And it's, yeah, it's you, really, you really to, strong. To 50-pound bottles of champagne. Polish one off <laughs> before you can get on the plane. I don't know anyone who would do that. But it's, <laughs> it's a phenomenal passenger experience. And one of my focus cities is Boston. And also what they've done in Boston with the new lounge concepts by British Airways – those are also, I mean, you've got Rome that has a, a, new, a swanky new lounge. The Boston Lounge blows away almost anything in the United States because it's also extremely functional. Not as it only is it a beautiful lounge with a beautiful view of Boston and a bar, but they board from the lounge, which saves anyone who travels a lot. When they board from the lounge, that means you can sort of hang out, you know, to the last possible minute. And then they're basically pre-boarding you, you know, before everybody else directly from the lounge. So I, I mean, I think in the passenger experience kind of category, especially airport experience, BA's really done a lot right. And I, and I know that they're, I mean, we talk about that. I mean, people love to focus on the negative and I am very excited for the new club product. My only concern a little bit is that I, I hope that they can get the schedule going with the refurb of the aircraft. I mean, I guess that would be my only negative concern. I'm not sure how much you've really so, discussed. Yeah. So two things I'll say, one, to make a long story short, two years ago when I told Alex Cruz to get a new job, he promised me a bunch of things and everything he promised has come true. So that's that. That's why I wrote that article. And it's been impressive to see that actually happen. Second thing, as to the rollout, I think BA managed to avoid a huge no-no, which was to over-promise and under-deliver. The airline, of course, that comes to mind is United with Polaris. They must be the dumbest marketing group in the history of airline marketing groups because they changed the name of every business class seat in their network to Polaris, even though about 15% of their network at best actually has it. So whereas British Airways has left the name Club World, everything looks Club World. They've told you exactly what routes it'll be on. You know, at least you're not getting sold something that doesn't actually exist. And also the optics of, of the change in soft product. So, you know, the thing that I found very confusing about Polaris is like you said, they changed the name. And they introduced the soft product, but people were like, okay, but I thought I was getting the new seat. There's no confusion in Club World, but they've started the Club World soft product rollout. What? It's almost a year now, maybe yeah, it's pretty nine. pretty much done. It's pretty much yeah. done. Just about every route has it. But there seems to be a good differentiation that, you know, soft product has improved for Club World and has continued to improve with some tweaks. Now a new hard product is coming which means new seats, but that's going to be a specific rollout. So I think it's actually yeah, for now sort like, of don't understand. even look for it. They're like, don't even look for it unless you're flying to Toronto or Dubai. You know, so that instantly helps everybody else flying anywhere else to not set their expectations to ridiculous levels, which is basically what Qatar did. You know, Qatar very slowly rolled out one destination at a time. They started with London. 
on a couple flights. Then they said, okay, now all London flights operated by this plane or that plane have it. Then they're like, okay, Singapore, Tokyo, and they've expanded really well since then. It's it, it's still going. There's still lots of places that don't have Q suites. So I think it's just managing expectations. Qatar was a good roadmap, and I think BA is on a very similar roadmap, which I would say I agree is with the right you. approach. And also, BA is sort of leveraging the retirement of the 747s, which I'm super sad to see but go, but I know they yeah, have to. So they're not going to be updating those planes. They're going to be retiring those planes, and then those are going to be replaced by the new, I guess, 777Xs. So that's yeah. sort of nice, too. So BA doesn't have to go through the trouble with the 747s. <laughs> There's decent alignment that you know you're never going to see new club on the 747s. You just sort of understand it. And I think... Yeah, people just want clarity. They gave us clarity. Now, the one final thing I'm going to ask you, you know, I loved the fact that you admitted you were wrong. I mean, you don't do that that often. So I... I, I, It happens very rarely. (laughs) So it's easier to do than for some other people who are constantly... Really, really fun to see. Do you see... Yeah, do you see any potential parallels to the mishaps of what's happening with the transition of Marriott rewards to Bonvoy with maybe with some of any parallels to like how Alex Cruz was re you know, transforming BA. Do you see that or not at all? Because obviously Marriott has made quite a few blunders with, you know, this whole transition to Bonvoy, or at least the miles and points world seems to be screaming that every single day, (laughs) or do you think it's not really related or what do you think when we look back at Bonvoy? In I mean, two years from now, what is this? Two years you were, Alice, at three? Or we look yeah, at Bonvoy at three years, years from years. now. Let's say what two do you, years. Do you think people are exiting Marriott in droves? I mean, is the sky really people, falling? People, people are such bullshitters. Nobody actually leaves. If anybody listening to this has actually left Marriott and switched all, not some of their business away, you get in touch with me and let me know that you did it. Otherwise, everyone can shut up because they just don't. I think what Marriott did wrong and continues to do wrong is the low-hanging fruit is not being taken advantage of. Their tech has been so bad. Like even today, I was trying to check in for a reservation. I had full connections. Everything else was working and their thing was saying I wasn't connected to the internet. It was like these little things of like, my God, just get this low-hanging fruit, the simple stuff right. Because actually, I think they are doing a lot of smart things. I love the way they've leveraged their Marriott moments into the best experiential rewards program in the entire world, I would say. I love that they've acquired so many different brands and that they're doing unique things like having music festivals at W hotels and having culinary, you know, like kind of classes at, at St. Regis hotels. And I think, you know, and cocktail demos at Ritz Carlton hotels that there's so many interesting things happening that are positive. For example, the other week I was, checking out of a hotel and I used the Marriott app to just message that I wanted a late check-in rather than having to call the front desk or go down. I thought that was awesome. Like I got a message back from the front desk in the app like a few minutes later saying, yeah, no problem. Here's your checkout time. I thought it was great. So if they can just get through these initial hurdles, I think everybody will shut up. But, you know, people like when things work and the tech stuff seems like the easiest part. So to let that not work out was wasn't smart. But in two years, I'm sure people will be just as happy. No, it, it is sort of interesting. And obviously, well, not obviously, I'm always running out of time. But, you know, you were mentioning the experiential issue and becoming more of an experience platform. And what was interesting today is that I was just reading that MGM Resorts, I was actually reading in Skiff that MGM Resorts, their newest executive hires 
basically signal a transformation to an experienced platform. So this is actually also something that MGM Resorts is is really keying in on too. So that'll be really yeah. interesting to see where that goes. I don't I don't know how how you are with it, but I could give a shit about free hotel nights, you know, not that I won't take them. I like them when they come along. But these days, at least to me, it seems like so many points for just a night. You know, I want to stay in a nice hotel. Okay, it's 80,000 points. Great. Well, I only need to spend $80,000 to get $400 of value. It just doesn't make sense. It's like less than a half a cent per point of cash back when there are cards that give you 2% cash back and better. So anyway, that aside, I think these experiential things are so cool because I can't, let's say, have dinner at Daniel by Daniel Balud with two or three Michelin stars, have Daniel come around to teach me how to plate his dishes, show me the techniques he uses, sit and have dinner with me, sign my cookbook and hang, you know, and do a special thing. Like I can't do that and then have a stay at the St. Regis included. And so they're basically able to give people outsized value that I don't feel like I'm getting with my room redemptions through these experiential things. Or like there's one recently to fly with the Bayern Munich football team, you know, one of the biggest football, soccer team, whatever you want to call it in the world, like you could actually fly with them on the team plane to an away game, stay at the team hotel, have breakfast with them. I mean, that's like for a super fan, that's, that's crazy cool. No, no, no. You're, you're absolutely right. And you know what you could also start to do? You know, I would think when they start tar- when they start working on these things even more, you can start to put certain experiences only for your highest elite level people. Yeah. And then you can start to make it, you know, it becomes a real sort of delight for people because it's things that you can't buy. And oh, actually, yeah. that could be a whole episode itself. But there are so many things that you can't buy that are not necessarily so expensive. They're just really cool. So that yeah. really good stuff. Well, thank you so much for covering this topic with me because I actually, everyone should read that article and give Gilbert feedback about whether he was right or wrong. Yeah, be, uh, he be loves nice, to, he, I'll tell you to fuck yourself, but. Okay. Well, that's, that's, that's fine. Yes. That's <laughs> Gil, Gilbert tends to be rather, rather direct. So that's fine. So thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, oh, be professional my. in the episode already. Thank you for listening to Zorkast, uh, and until uh, next time. You've reached the end of your stay with us on this episode, but we encourage you to visit our website for more resources at travelzork.com and to continue the conversation on Twitter and Instagram at travelzork and facebook.com slash travelzork. Travel smarter, gamble smarter, and maximize your adventures right here on Zorkcast. Until next time, good luck.